one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you and ask you to be here with us this evening. And we trust that you are in our midst. May my words now be your words and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Those verses that I just read to you are from Luke chapter 23. They're verses 39 to 43. Uh, We read the Passion from John's Gospel this evening. But because the Passion includes so much, it has been our practice here at Grace Church to focus the Good Friday sermon on one of the seven last words of Christ. These are the, the seven final sayings of Jesus from the cross. Uh, they are recorded over the four gospel accounts. No one story has all seven in them. This is our fifth Good Friday together. And this evening, we're going to look at a sentence that John does not record, which is why we're going to look to Luke. And in fact, I think that this last word of Christ, this sentence that we're going to be spending a few minutes talking about this evening is one of the most confounding verses in all of the Bible. Luke chapter 23, verse 43, in which Jesus looks at one of the criminals being crucified next to him and says, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, I say confounding, and you'll see why I say that in a second, but not confounding in the traditional head-scratching, chin-rubbing way that some Bible verses are confounding. Like like the beginning of Genesis chapter 6, for instance, which reads, When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Not quite sure what that means, are you? Or even... Another passage from the crucifixion story, this one from Matthew chapters 27, which describes what happens when Jesus actually gives up his spirit. And behold, Matthew writes, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. 
And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Tombs opened. Saints raised went into Jerusalem and appeared to many. Without looking too hard, you can find otherwise serious Christians online engaging with the question of whether or not these raised saints might readily be classified as zombies. Some of you might be wondering that yourself. But the verse that we are considering this evening, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, is confounding not because it's a difficult sentence to comprehend. It's not sharing a story that's hard to imagine. It's not difficult to know what Jesus means. In fact, it's incredibly simple. Today, this justly convicted criminal who suffers now will be at rest, at peace with Jesus in paradise. It's so simple. What is confounding to many is how can something like this be possible? There's a great viral clip from an Alistair Pegg sermon. You've probably seen this shared around in the last few days. Alistair Pegg is the great preacher and Bible interpreter at Parkside Church outside Cleveland. And you can find this clip readily on the internet in which he sort of role plays the scene which might have taken place when this criminal arrived at the pearly gates. This guy, you know, this, this crook, had never been in a Bible study, never got baptized, didn't know a thing about church membership, Indeed, we even know that beyond being classified as a thief and being justly executed as a criminal, he was at least pretty recently a personal enemy of Jesus too. Because Matthew, in his telling of the story, has both criminals reviling Jesus. It's later, in his very last moments, that this criminal asks for Christ's mercy. But don't miss that just before this plea for mercy, on that very same day, this criminal has been reviling him. And yet, as Alistair Begg says, he made it with Jesus in paradise today. So Begg, in the clip, has the angel guarding the gates, say to the guy, what are you doing here? He says, I don't know. After some back and forth, the angel goes to get his supervisor, who has a couple of clarification questions to ask the guy. Uh, Well, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? I've never heard of it in my life, he says. What about the doctrine of scripture? And the guy just stares. And finally, the supervisor angel says, On what basis are you here? And the criminal, at a loss, says, The man on the middle cross said I could come. The man 
on the middle cross said I could come. But wait a minute. There's got to be more. Don't you have to be baptized? Don't you have to go to church? Well, yes and yes. The biblical formulation is repent and be baptized. The Bible tells the faithful not to neglect meeting together. Don't you have to do good things? Yes. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. And yet here is the thief on the cross. A fly in the ointment of so many theological arguments. A seeming rebuke to anyone who would put any limits on God's ability to justify, to redeem, to save. Now listen, there are true things that can and must be said and ought to be believed about how a person is saved. The substitutionary nature of Christ's atoning death, for instance, that God, made Jesus, the sinless one, to be sin, so that we, the sinful ones, could be made into his righteousness. That Jesus, as God incarnate, as one of the three persons of our Trinitarian Lord, was the method by which God himself absorbed his righteous wrath, poured out on sin, back onto himself. This is true. And right, the thief on the cross knew none of that. That Christ's church is the place for believers to be encouraged in their faith, to minister side by side for the gospel, to witness about Jesus' saving grace to the world, that there are no solo Christians. This is true and right. The thief on the cross had no Christian community, no church. That the life of the Christian should bear the marks of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That we should turn the other cheek that we should honor our fathers and our mothers, clothe the naked, visit the prisoner, seek justice for the oppressed. All of that is true and right. The thief on the cross had done none of those things. That a Christian must submit themselves to the word of God, accepting, for instance, that our God is one and three, a trinity, And that we are to be baptized in that threefold name. That Jesus is both truly God and truly man. That during his earthly ministry, he healed the sick and raised the dead. That God created humankind, male and female, in his image. That though all are created in that image and therefore have inherent dignity and worth, all have also sinned and fall short of that glory. And that the only way to spend eternity with God is faith in his promises, promises which are made manifest in Christ, and that kindled wrath and eternal hell await all those who would reject him. The thief on the cross 
may have believed very little of that. This thief knew just two things. And maybe even those for just some few fleeting moments. He knew himself to be a sinner. He acknowledged that he was receiving the due reward for his deeds. And he knew that there was something about this man. The man on the middle cross. And so he called out to Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And just for that, that mustard seed of faith was saved. Today, Jesus promised him, you will be with me in paradise. The reason this situation, a criminal justly condemned to death, who has just before been deriding an innocent man hanging on a cross beside him, but is nonetheless welcomed into eternal paradise, the reason that this is so confounding to us is also the reason that it is good news. And it is the good news of Good Friday. Our God is incalculably, incalculably powerful to save. Amazingly powerful, overwhelmingly powerful. And if he can save that thief who knew nothing, who did nothing, and believed very little, he can save you. And he can save me. We, you and I, who often believe very little, can nonetheless place that very little faith right where it belongs. In Christ. On Christ. That man on the middle cross. So let the word to us tonight be to have the tiny faith of that thief. Acknowledge your sin that you too are justly condemned, that the wrath of God is kindled against you or would be. But you know somehow that Jesus is up on that cross for you, that it was your sin that put him there, that he's there because of love and mercy, that he's there to save, that tonight he suffers, that tonight the wrath of God is poured out on him. So tonight we lament, tonight we weep, we wait and wonder what good can come of this. But even tonight is pregnant with celebration because Jesus will accomplish his purpose. Somehow, some way, like that thief hanging on the cross next to him, you know that it's true. Your tiny 
faith will be justified, will be shown to have been put in just the right place in the Son of God who is making all things new, even you. Because of what he accomplished tonight, by the finished work of the Son of Almighty God, our Savior Jesus Christ, by what he accomplished tonight, and by what he will bring to completion on Sunday, you, too, can be with him in paradise. Amen.